Green comes up. Would you welcome her? Uh, she is going to be uh, teaching Matthew 19 uh, this morning, and uh, she and her husband, Jeremy, will offer some of their story uh, just coming out of the last service. Just know that this is going to be a gift to you. Um, and uh, to have an opportunity for me, I've known Jody for over 10 years. We met within the first year I moved here, um, and to see the journey that she has been on in her life as a minister, as a, as a shepherd in this town. She works for Young Life, Northern Colorado, one of the area directors. Um, we just, we have a gift. Like, I, what, what I love about our church family is one of the things that we say is everybody gets to play, and we want people to see this as, a, as an opportunity to serve and give their gifts, and so to um, offer this opportunity for Jody as a gift to her and it's a gift to us and you're going to be blessed by it. And so uh, thank you for being here, Jody. Thank you for teaching. Thank you for saying yes. Um, I'm excited to listen to you teach again. Um, I'm going to pray for Jody. Would you join me as I pray a blessing over Jody and us? Lord, thank you for my friend, uh, gifted, called, empowered um, to stand up and teach your word to your people. Would you Give her the energy and the clarity um, as she does this in the second service. Lord, would you um, bless her words? Would you use her as a conduit of uh, your grace and mercy and compassion to every person in the room? Uh, we pray a blessing over her as she teaches in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ben. Good morning. It's good to see most of you. It's hard in the very far back. It's really hard to I see you, Jack. There you go. Um, glad you're here. We are going to talk about some stuff, but first I'm going to tell you a little bit about me. For those of you who invited one of your friends to come to church with you today because you love Jason's teaching and you're like, you got to come listen to my pastor, and then you're like, awesome, guest pastor, surprise! And now you have to come back next week, so you just got suckered into two weeks of church. And that is hilarious. Um, I am, I'm recently turned 40. I'm very excited about being 40, 40s. I like getting older. I'm 40.5, if you want to really get into the, the weeds on that. I, um, and I have two young children, a four and a six-year-old, Corbin and Owen, which means if you do some quick math, I will have very active teenage boys, and I will be in my mid-50s. So I stretch a lot, okay? I'm trying to stay in the game, all right, because as you know, as you get older, it's, it's like, okay, yeah, you, you work out hard so you can, like, be really athletic. No, 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 no. You work out really hard so you can just do this, okay? You're just trying to keep being able to do this successfully without having to warm up, right? So that's, what, that's the game that I'm trying to play, and I don't know if I'm doing a very good job because of this. Um, I was, we haven't mastered the art of privacy in our household yet. I don't know if you have went through this season with your family, with children, where they're like, hey, I'm in the bathroom, and that does not mean slide a note under the door. That does not mean knock until I open it. It does not mean fight right outside of the door, and I can do nothing about it. It means leave me alone. <laughs> Privacy. Privacy doesn't happen much. So I'm in the bathroom, and my four-year-old comes running in, and I was like, hey, buddy. And he's like, mom, why do you have uh, fat granny legs? <laughs> Thank you for that response. <gasps> How dare he? Yeah, I was like, oh, gosh. Oh, and I was like, get out of here, you little turd bucket which is a term of endearment for those of you who are wondering. And I was like, oh, it was, it was later that week when I was actually here at church in worship and the Lord, I think, spoke to me because I, had, I was like, this is what I should have said. Oh, 
this is what I should have said. So I had that, we went to Longmont for my husband's birthday. We spent the night with, they have a nice little hotel slide thing. And so we're all in our suits and he comes running up to me and he hugs my legs. And I'm like, this is my chance. I'm going to remedy and correct him how I needed to the first time. And so I was like, hey buddy, do you remember how you told me that I had uh, fat granny legs the other day? Well, that's just inaccurate, okay? I go, I actually have hot mama legs because I am a hot mama and these are my legs, okay? <laughs> and he just does that whole thing where kids are learning grown-up gestures but they don't say grown-up things and he goes, well mama, I just said that because your legs are really fat. <laughs> oh, well, it didn't work. It didn't work, but that is, it was like, oh, oh, I was unclear as to why you thought my legs were fat. Now, thank you for clarifying that, by all means. Continue to spread your propaganda about the cellulite <laughs> on my legs. Oh, kids, man, kids. That's not what we're talking about today. Divorce. <laughs> there we go, there's the transition. <laughs> yep, <laughs> we're in it. Um, but it is, Matthew 19. Matthew 19 is the text for today. So we are going to read the text for today. When you go through the scriptures, chapter by chapter, you go through it all. So I need to, though, acknowledge the sensitivity of this topic. It's probably rare that anyone in this room has not, does not have this topic intersect your life or someone that you love in some way, shape, or form. You might be divorced and regret it. You um, might be divorced and wish you would have done it sooner. You might have been the one who initiated it, or maybe you're the one who fought it to the end. You might have lived through your parents getting divorced. Uh, maybe it was devastating, and you're still dealing with the fallout. Maybe it was the best thing that could have happened to your family. Maybe you're still longing and praying for reconciliation, and maybe it's a little bit of all three. Potentially, you persevered in your marriage because divorce was not on the table, and it wasn't an option, and you saw a miraculous healing in your relationship. Potentially, you are waiting for that miracle somewhere in the gritty middle today. Maybe some of you hide the reality that you are divorced because you've been harmed by the way people have responded when they learned this about you. Many of us have a story to share around this topic in our lives. Um, and so we're going to look at, we are not going to leave here today saying Christian-y things about something we are uninformed about, because that's where a lot of harm comes from. So we're going to see the scriptures, we're going to unpack the scriptures, and you are going to have, you are at least going to leave knowing, well, at least I know where it says some of the things. Because sometimes we don't even start there, y'all. I'm just speaking for myself. Okay, so let's talk about what we've heard so far. If you haven't been with us, we've been marching through Matthew, and this topic has actually come up already in Matthew on the Sermon on the Mount. So it comes up here in, uh, in chapter 5, Sermon on the Mount. It says, anyone who even looks at another with lust has already committed adultery in their heart. You have heard the law that says a man can divorce his wife by merely giving her a written notice of divorce. But I say that a man who divorces his wife, unless she has been unfaithful, causes her to commit adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman also commits adultery. So there we go. There's something that Jesus has addressed already in this. Um, you have heard it said. Now, if you're, a, if you're living where we are, you have not heard it said. 
If you are living in our time, you have not heard it said, a man can divorce his wife by merely giving her a written notice of a divorce. That's not something, we don't just run around in Deuteronomy, which is where this passage is from. So let's look at where he's talking about. He goes, you have heard the law say, well, what is he talking about? He's talking about Deuteronomy 24. This is the, the divorce rules, all right, for, the, for the, the context that we're in. Suppose a man marries a woman, but she does not please him. That's a different sermon, which we don't have time for today. Having discovered something wrong with her, he writes a document of divorce, hands it to her, sends her away from his house. When she leaves his house, she's free to marry another man. But if the second husband also turns against her, writes a document of divorce, hands it to her, and sends her away, or if he dies, the first husband may not marry her again, for she has been unclean. That would be detestable to the Lord. You must not bring guilt upon the land the Lord your God is giving you as a special possession. Okay. So that seems, well, if, if you're a woman in the room, there could be some thoughts about that scripture. Okay. I need, what we need to understand in the entirety of scripture is that God's people were slaves for 450 years and he pulled them out of slavery and he had to teach them an entirely new way of life. He said, I need you to be the kingdom of God, the people of God. What the heck does that mean? They didn't know. So he is moving them along. If God came to them and said, okay, I'm going to make you into marathon runners, Israelites, I'm pulling you out of Egypt where you lived in this tiny little area and I'm going to now teach you to run really far for a long time. And he's pulling them out. His first instructions to them would not be, hey, let's go run 13 miles straight. Let's just go for it. Yeah, we, you know I can't do that. We've, had, we've talked about that already. We are not there. And they weren't either. This instruction here was a movement towards the people he wanted to, them to become. And Jesus is saying, and I'm taking us here even further still. That is the entirety of the scriptures. One of the mega themes of this book, of our family history, of all of this, is that God is making us into his people. A progressive revelation of who he is and who we're supposed to be. So this actually was protecting women. All right? Because what is implied here is that the process before did not include these very simple steps. What was happening before? All you have to do now is write it down, have a reason, which could be as simple as you, she burnt your breakfast, have a reason and write it down. Were the new hurdles in the way? Which means there were nothing in the way before. And if you were a woman living back in this time, like still exists on the planet today, there are still cultures where if women are not attached to a man, they don't stand a shot. They don't have access to what they need. And that was true back then. You needed to be married if you weren't going to be destitute, if you wanted to provide for your children, if you wanted to eat, you needed to be married. And so to be just kind of sloughed off like property in a, in a nuisance was happening. And so Moses is here and God is saying, no, 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 no. Now I'm not going to ask you. I'm not going to get crazy and tell you to run the, run the marathon, but I am going to ask you to go walk with me around the block, and let's just start here. And we're going to see that in our scripture today. So that is when he says, you have heard it said, this is the system they were operating out of in terms of divorce and marriage and covenant in that way. So let's read our text from today. Jesus, tested on divorce. I'm just going to read it. Didn't put it up there. The Pharisees came to Jesus and engaged him in a very common rabbinical process of like, hey, what school of thought do you live in? Just like today, there's different schools of thought around different hot topic buttons. And they were hot topic buttons back then, just like they are now. Divorce was one back then, just like it is now. And he wanted to know, well, who, where do you, which one do you subscribe to? They're kind of testing him in that way. So this is what happens. Some fair, we're going to start in verse 3, uh, chapter 19, verse 3. Some Pharisees came and tried to trap him with this question. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? 
Jesus responds, haven't you heard the scriptures, Jesus replied. They record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. Okay, then why did Moses say in the law that a man could give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away, they asked. Jesus replied, Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to your hard hearts, but it was not what God had originally intended. And I tell you this, whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery unless his wife has been unfaithful. Jesus' disciples then came to him, if this is the case, it is better not to marry. Not everyone can accept that statement, Jesus said. Only those whom God helps. Some are born as eunuchs, some have been made eunuchs by others, and some choose not to marry for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let anyone accept this who can. So Jesus is saying, wait, we used to be able to like get divorced, and now you're saying this, we're not supposed to get divorced? Like he goes, he's a call back to Genesis, where this, this union, this covenant was a part of the original design of how humans are supposed to exist. And now, and we're just kind of like messed it up a little bit, and now you're saying we should not leave it? Well, I don't even want to get married then. And, and God is very clear here. He's like, that is not the call for most of you. That is a very, be careful, that is a very specific thing that you're, you would be asked to do, and a very specific few are called to that, but do not jump to that because you're afraid of something hard. Okay, there's a difference between like, oh, I just don't want to make a wrong choice, and the Lord asking you to enter into life of singleness. He's saying that's very, very different. So this is the text that we're going to look at um, today. Paul also had some stuff to say. Another guy who wrote some stuff, Paul. This is what Paul said. But for those who, this is, this is fun, are we having a good time? Okay. But for those who are married, I have a command that comes not from me, but from the Lord, because sometimes Paul said the other thing, like this is from me, not the Lord. A wife must not leave her husband, but if she does leave him, let her remain single or else be reconciled to him, and the husband must not leave his wife. Paul goes, goes on in that chapter to say, if you are, one of you starts following Jesus, becomes a part of the way, but your spouse doesn't, you're supposed to stay with them. If you're married to someone who is an unbeliever, you're supposed to stay with them. But if they want to leave, you're not supposed to fight it. You're supposed to just let them go because 1 Corinthians 7.15, the heart of this passage, is not the rules, but it's because God wants you to live at peace. So there's what Paul has to say. Um, and then Jody, God hates divorce, right? We all know that. Where does it say that? So I thought maybe it does say that, actually. But that's just something, like, it's one of those things that we're just like, yeah, God hates divorce. So, like, done. Conversation over. Boom. Mic drop. What, no, no. There's no, what are you talking about? It does say that. Malachi, he's a prophet. Um, he says, for I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. Oh, yeah, see? He does say it. We are not um, equipped um, uh, for putting the context of the Old Testament in its right place by pulling out one verse, because we did not spend the first nine years of our lives memorizing it. We are not surrounded by Jewish customs that reinforce these beliefs, and we are not immersed in communities that have a clue. So be careful. You better read the Old Testament, but you better not pretend to apply it too loosely. All right? Because Jesus gets us upset about that a lot. Um, so we're not going to do that. We're going to read it. Okay, look, for I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. Great, guess what? Let's put it in its context. Here we go. This is, what he, this is the context of that sentence. You cry out, why doesn't the Lord accept my worship? I'll tell you why. 
because the Lord witnessed the vows you and your wife made when you were young, but you have been unfaithful to her. Though she remained faithful, your faithful partner, the wife of your marriage vows, didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and in spirit, you are his. And what does he want? Godly children from your union. So guard your heart. Remain loyal to the wife of your youth. For I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty, says the Lord of heaven's army. So guard your heart. Do not be unfaithful with your wife. Fellas, hey, your actions matter and they are hurtful and you are leaving a wake of destruction behind you in your flippancy and arrogance. And guess what? I hate that. So God hates other things. So let's just let's get those on the table too. Okay, other hated things. It's a really, really academic slideshow, okay? Same word, hate. Hates them. Leah, this is places in the scriptures. Leah was hated by Jacob. If you don't know these stories, if you didn't grow up in the church, that's okay because actually your perspective is really helpful and valuable because you don't come in with all this, um, all these like uh, preconceived notions. We actually need that perspective. We need the knowledge of the stories and we need the questions about the stories because I just don't accept it because of the lullaby effect, right? So if you don't know anything about that, it's fine. You don't need to. He hates it. All right. Joseph was hated by his brother, sold into slavery. Bummer move. Burning children at pagan altars. We're all going to stack hands there. Esau, as opposed, he, he hated Esau, but Jacob he loved. He hates scheming against each other. He hates the love of telling lies you swear are the truth. Don't think about that too long or you will lose some sleep. He hates festivals, our rituals, our sacrifices, um, and idolatry, where we try to find life somewhere else, where we try to find life anywhere else. He hates it. And then 139 other references. So for some light reading later this afternoon, you can look those up. So, okay, you know what I think? I think God hates his children hurting each other. That's what I think God hates. I think he hates it when we don't treat each other as the image bearers that he created us to be. I think he hates seeing sons and daughters pitting themselves against one another, hurting and avoiding and intentionally or unintentionally being little jack wagons. I think that's a theme that we see in the scriptures that Jesus pulls all the way through. And adultery, golly, we've already heard some stuff about adultery. It's tough. We're all kind of in that boat. Let's look at a summary. So just to make this really clear, so to clarify the divorce question, here we go. Moses, only divorce with the reason that's documented and a written certificate. Check. Malachi, God hates divorce in every other way that we're mean to each other. Cool. Jesus, first, don't commit adultery. Divorce is adultery. Don't break what was intended by God to last unless there is unfaithfulness, okay? Paul, don't leave each other. But if you do, don't get remarried. And if your spouse is not a believer, stay with them. Unless they want to leave, then let them go. And singleness is legit, right? Paul's a big, he loves being single. Um, there we go. There we go. I think we're done. Amen. We got it. We got, they answered the question. Yay! Is divorce right or wrong? Slide. Yes, exactly. So just give us the answer. I can't, I can't. If we've all committed adultery, but you can use adultery as an excuse actually to get divorced, and we all have committed adultery, then can we just use that as an excuse to continue to be like the Israelites of old and get divorced for any reason we want? Are we just back where we started? Jody, you brought us into this inception loop. Jesus, like this is classic Jesus. Jesus rarely gave answers, but he often told stories, and divorce is a part of my story, but it's not just my story to share. So 
I'm gonna bring up my husband Jeremy's at this time. Oh yeah. Appreciate that. Yeah. I told him the last service that I needed a walk-up song. I did not know he was going to Yes, that was fresh and new for you. Wow. Appreciate that. Hello. Hi. Okay. You are you are the sexy guitar player. Is how I introduce you most of the time to people. All right, Jeremy. Am I your first wife? No. Am I your favorite wife? Yes. This is going great. <laughs> yeah, you can keep going now. This is good. Okay. Good. <laughs> All right, tell us a little bit about how you grew up and how that shaped your view of divorce. Yeah, so I grew up in southern Oklahoma um, in a Christian home. Um, so if you're not from that area, a lot of people call it the Bible Belt. Um, and so we went to church, you know, Wednesday, Sunday morning, Sunday night, all the time. And so that's how I grew up. Um, and where I grew up, uh, divorce was not an option. Like, you never got divorced. You did everything you could uh, to keep uh, divorce off the table. Um, and so that was kind of the, the area and the, uh, the, my background as far as this topic's concerned. Cool. Um, so, yeah, tell us, tell us a story. Yeah, so um, I went to uh, college in Tulsa, Oklahoma at Oral Roberts University, which is a Christian college. And my senior year of uh, college, I uh, met a girl, and um, she was about a year behind me. And so when I graduated, I went out, moved out to Grand Junction, Colorado, and worked at a church out there uh, for about three years. Um, and while I was out there, she uh, moved out there after she graduated, and we got married. Um, and uh, everything was going great, um, so I thought, um, and she wanted to go to uh, get her master's in counseling. So we moved, packed up everything. When you're that young, you don't have much to pack, but uh, we packed everything up, moved to Seattle, and she started going to school out there, and we were just trying to, you know, make life work, figure stuff out, um, all the things. And um, one Sunday, after we were walking out of church, um, we had a conversation, and she looked at me and said, I don't think I want to be married anymore. And I had no idea that that's how she felt, um, completely out of the blue for me. Um, and so that kind of um, started a progression of my life that I didn't know I was going to go down. Um, like I said, I grew up where, you know, you did the right things, you showed up to church, um, and if you did the right things, then God did what he was supposed to do, right? You put the thing in, um, and then you get the life you're supposed to get because you didn't um, do the things you weren't supposed to. Um, and I was about to realize that that is not always the case. Mm-hmm. Um, so what was it, what was the process like of you had no idea? So take us from you had no idea to you are no longer married. Yeah. Um, so when, after she told me that, um, I was like, you know what, I'm going to do everything I can, right, to fix this. I'm going to, you know, let's go to counseling, let's do all the things so that we can figure this out. You know, this is just a little hiccup. Okay, we'll get through this, we'll move on. And she was like, no, I don't want to go to counseling. I'm done. Um, and I was just completely shocked, um, blown away, had um, no idea uh, what I was going to do. And so during that time, um, 
when you file for divorce, there's a time period uh, before it's finalized. And so during that time, uh, we separated. Um, I had met some amazing people uh, at a church there, and he offered to, um, he took me in. He offered to let me stay with him. And I thought maybe, uh, maybe if we separate for a while, you know, give her some space, maybe we'll be able to figure this thing out. Um, and uh, so I had, had these people in my life, and I just remember that, you know, I was, had all these questions. Uh, I didn't know how to fix it, and I'd always been able to fix things before. Um, I was doing the things that God told me to do. I'd saved myself for marriage uh, because I um, thought that that was really important. And now I was like, why did I do that? Um, what was the point of following all the rules when this is what's going to happen to me because I did? Um, and so I just had all these doubts, questions, um, thoughts. Uh, but the, the people in my life um, during that time um, kept me from going off the deep end. Um, and so it was, it was hard. It was very hard. Um, there was, um, we got toward, you know, the date of when it was going to be finalized. And we met one more time. We just had a conversation of like, you know, are we, is, is this over? Are we going to do anything else? And um, we just came to the conclusion it was done. So at that point, um, the divorce was finalized. And then I was like, okay, what's next? I, I did, did everything I was supposed to do. This wasn't how life was supposed to go. You know, um, it's like, okay, well maybe I won't have kids. Like, that was a big thing for me. Like, I want to have kids. And, you know, at that point, I was like, well, there's no guarantee I'm going to meet someone else. Um, so maybe I won't have kids. Um, and so all of these doubts started creeping in. Like, why am I even following God? Like, um, what's the point? You know, I'm like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to go... You know, I've tried to be good, I've tried to be faithful, um, you know, save myself for marriage, whatever. You know, I'm just going to go out, I'm just going to hook up with whoever I want to, and um, just not even care. Like, let's just go the opposite direction. Um, and thankfully, um, I had friends who helped me through that time. Um, and for me and my story, um, I don't know why, to be honest, but somehow God had me so deep. Um, that I chose not to do those things, um, and that, you know, I don't know why, but um, God just drew me to him, even in the midst of that, as, as, as far away as, as he felt during those times, um, and then that was when the next chapter of my life started. So... I know you've told me that you were really, the, the difference between Jeremy before the divorce and Jeremy after is pretty significant because of all the work you had to do. Um, and you were really afraid of what other people would think. Can you just tell us about that part and, and how that? Yeah. Um, so, like I said, I, I grew up in the church and, um, you know, you did, did the things. And um, one thing you didn't do, right, was get divorced. And so just during that time, just thinking, like, how are people going to react to me? Like, am I going to be shunned? Am I going to be pushed away? Um, am I going to, you know, go home and is half of my family not even going to be want to be with me? Um, those were all questions that I had. Um, I went through, personally for me, um, I went through counseling during that time just for me and learned a lot about myself and um, how 
Um, you know, I want to share this because I think it's important. Um, <coughs> two things that I learned in counseling um, that really spoke to me during this time was one is that um, I'm worth being a friend to. And two is that my opinion matters. Um, and I don't know <coughs> who that's for here because some people that might not be a thing that you go through. But I just want you to know that you matter and that you are worth being a friend to. Um, so because of those things for me today, um, I am such a stronger and better person um, because of those things that I went through. Um, it made me a better man. Um, made me a better um, dad and a better husband, I believe. So you're the music guy, right? You play Tracy Licks every Sunday? Sure. <laughs> Not every Sunday. That's what they say in the biz. Um, <laughs> I know that that's, that's, a, that's a way that you experience God. Can you tell us about what, was, what were some of those things that you held on to during that time? Yeah. Um, so Jason's talked before about Isaac's verses. Uh, things that, verses that you hold on to when you're slipping and things are getting really hard. Um, and so for me, I was a music major in college, so music has always really spoke to me. And during that time, um, a song that was out was Beautiful Things um, if, by uh, Gunger, if you remember that song. And it just talks about how like God can take pain and brokenness and heartache and how he can make beautiful things out of that. And that was just something I hold, held on to um, because I was like, God, I'm broken. Like, I don't have anything now. Um, my identity was gone. Um, how are you going to make this work? Um, and I just hung on to that somehow he's going to make a beautiful thing out of this. Um, and then here you are. Good one. <laughs> oh, I know. It's gross. Uh. <laughs> not on the notes. I was not in the notes. Um, so as we kind of wind this up, and you, you moved to Fort Collins with some of those people that were in your life, that are still in your life, um, to start over. What was it like engaging with God around, can I, should I start dating again? Yeah, so it took me about a year. Um, and for me, it took me a while, honestly, to respect women again. That's what, that's what happened to me. Um, just because I got hurt um, in the way that I did. Um, but when, you know, I, I did my own internal healing from that and then came to the point where I was like, you know what, I'm ready to put myself out there again and try this uh, again. Um, then that's when I, you know, decided to do that. So, mm -hmm. and you're like, I'm divorced. I already am divorced. So if that's like a permanent scar, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And I didn't know if, you know, if I tried to date someone, they're like, well, you're divorced. So, you know, no thanks. Um, and like I said, like I, 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 the biggest one of the biggest takeaways I took out of the whole process, I think, for me is that, like, you can do everything right um, as far as, you know, the rules. Um, but that doesn't always mean that things are going to work out. Right. Um, but God's still God. And um, even if we hadn't met, you know, and even if my life had gone a, a different direction, um, I know that God's got me and that nothing is going to 
pull me away from him um, because he's so much deeper than any brokenness or hurt um, that I could have gone through. And I had to go through it to learn that, right? Um, it's not easy. It doesn't just come. Um, but hang in there and be with the people that are around you. Um, if you are going through something hard, um, or if you know someone who is, if it hadn't been for the people in my life <coughs> during that time, I don't think I'd be here. So if, if you know someone, even if you don't know what to say, um, your presence means a lot. So be there for the people in your life if they're hurting. Is there anything else you want to say? I think you got it from here. (laughs) (laughs) Let me see a good job. Let's give him a hand, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. I do not trust my waterproof mascara a bit. This failed me before. Thank you, babe. Um, We did meet. We met. I was in a room with two of our friends, Nick and Hillary, just having dinner, and they asked me if I was going on, if I was interested in going on a blind date. I was 31. I was not married. I was like, yeah, I'm interested, okay? <laughs> <laughs> it was complicated. The, 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 I think the entirety of this process for me can be summed up in my response to them. When they, then they argued in front of me for a little bit. They're like, well, should we tell her? I don't know. Maybe he should tell her. Well, I don't know, but should we, should we tell her? I'm like, tell me why? Like, what? What, what, what? Oh, my gosh, I'm imagining stuff way weirder than you could say. And they said, well, he's divorced. And if that's a deal breaker for you, then we want to save, basically, we don't want to save him from that. Um, and so is it a deal breaker for you? And my answer was, it depends. I was just what fell out of my mouth because I didn't know. And, and, and so, okay. So we went on a date at, uh, blind date at Starry Night, which I successfully scheduled another meeting one hour after so as to have the escape. If you're single, you know what I'm talking about. Um, and I had, but I had a lot going on inside of me. Like the divorce part of this for the relationship didn't come up for me till later because I, I had been engaged in college and had called that off. I had, I had walked the single road. I just had a lot of weeds to dig out in my own heart as I started engaging in a relationship. Um, and back in 2012, it was the, 2012 was actually the year that apps came on the scene for dating apps. It was just kind of online at that point, and then it became apps to take it to the next level. Um, and now, luckily, for all the single people world, you can get rejected nine times on seven different, different platforms by lunch. Okay, that's so great. Oh, being single is not for the faint of heart. Um, so I think we would uh, be wise to surround our single friends church, um, not because we feel sorry for them, uh, but because we need to glean from their courage and bravery. It takes guts and a different kind of trust to continue to take those kinds of risks in today's world. Um, And I think we would all benefit from being reminded of that and tasting that a little bit, okay? Um, So after I had worked through all of this major insecurity, um, fear, I realized that I probably really did need to address this situation. Like, what do I think about him being divorced? Like, I've read the scriptures. Um, I was fortunate to have people in my life who weren't pushing me to do things the right way but they were allowing me to just double down on my proximity to the way maker because that's what I needed. Um, So 
I have a journal entry. It's a snippet of a journal entry I want to read from you from that time, uh, just to give you a little insight into what I was thinking. I was like, as for Matthew 19, Matthew 19 I have to look at it, Father. I don't want to be af too afraid to ask the question of what you really have to say about me potentially marrying a divorced man. Is it adultery? I could easily find folks who support what I desire and avoid those I don't want that don't, but I don't want to do that. Um, I had listened to two pastors I really respected. One of them was like, never. Divorce is never an option. And then shared so many beautiful stories of reconciled marriages after years of separation that came back together. And it, it's so much doubt. And then another theologian who I love, and he just said, yes, but there is exception here. There is exception here. It's not the best way. It's not God's best offer, but it would be, it would be irresponsible of us to handle the text without recognizing that there is an exception here. So two men, smarter than me, no way more than me, older than me, more experienced than me that have different opinions. Okay, so now what do I do? Um, I just, and, and I went to this book, even though this book didn't give me a ton of clarity, like we saw, but in other places when I'd hit a roadblock, people were like, well, how did you, how did you find the answer? I go, I didn't really. I just kept doing the next thing. I kept going to this book and I'd hit a roadblock and I'd think, are we even compatible? And I'd read Proverbs 25. The purpose of someone's heart are deep waters, but a person of understanding draws them out. Okay, well, maybe we can be that for each other. I don't know. And then I'd go, am I going in the wrong direction? Am I? Are you? Is this okay? Is this okay? And then I would read Proverbs 2.20. Follow the steps of the good and stay on the paths of the righteous. I was like, I'm going to move forward until you tell me to take a different step, Lord. The next day, is this what you have for me? Is this? I don't want to do this wrong. I don't have a clue. And I'd stumble across Isaiah 49.18. Lift up your eyes and look around. All your children gather and come to you. As surely as I live, declares the Lord, you will wear them all as ornaments. You will put them on like a bride. And is that out of context? Yeah, but it spoke to me where I was on that moment. I was like, okay, okay. Psalm 143, show us the way, rescue us, teach us, spirit, lead us. Those things are littered through my journals because I journaled before I had children. Um, <laughs> I don't even write down my grocery list, y'all. I just pull into King Supers. I say, I'm in spot four. Send me some groceries. I don't even care whose they are. Just give them in the car. But I journaled a lot back then. Um, scripture has been my lifeline as I just took one step at a time. Just one step at a time. And it has to be our lifeline around this conversation today. Okay, so in Matthew specifically, we have been told several things, okay? In Matthew 9, Jesus says, Matthew, um, you're a tax collector. Come be on my team. And we're like, yeah, tax collectors. People would have thought they were mean. This is how I need you to experience this. You're at a stoplight, and you see that bumper sticker. Doesn't even matter what it is. We all got them. You're, and you immediately have some thoughts about the person driving that vehicle. Immediately. Doesn't matter what the sticker is. Doesn't matter who's driving it. And then just imagine you pass that car on the left, and you see Jesus having a good old time with whoever that is. And you're like, that guy? That woman? Them? Do you know what's on the back of their car? Do you know? Do, okay. I need you to get there, not in your head, in your body. Okay? Feel how that would have been repulsive to the people around them. That's what we're talking about. And he was hanging out with those people. And this is what Jesus says. He says, I want you, I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. Go learn them what that means. Again, he's throwing back to Hosea, who's another prophet, who was talking to a group of people who had also forgotten the heart of their God and the purpose of their people. He's like, go learn what that means. And later on, they get attacked again. They're eating. It's on the Sabbath, and they're breaking pieces of grain, which is considered work, which is against the rules. And they're like, why are you breaking the rules? 
And then later he heals a man whose hand is withered in the temple on the Sabbath. He's like, oh, it's the Sabbath. You're not supposed to do that kind of stuff. Uh, and just like, okay, thanks for not going and learning what I meant when I said we need to offer mercy, not just give sacrifices. Again and again, Jesus is demonstrating that hungry people need to eat and hurting people need to be healed. How we treat people is more important than what rules we are following. In Matthew 15, Lucas walked us through this a couple weeks ago, and he said they were trying, they're keeping all, instead of giving their money to their aging parents, they were keeping it. And Jesus said, you cancel the commandments of God for the sake of your own traditions. Um, we, when we elevate a tradition to contradict something in God's word, we are hypocrites, and hypocrites are people who say the right things but live differently. So if we say we're Jesus followers, we need to know the commandments in his word that we need to follow, which he, he will answer for us three weeks from now in Matthew 22. He says this. They're like, What's the, what are the main commandments? He goes this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and mind. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on, depend on these two. Malachi, Hosea, everything Paul wrote, everything in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy, all of those things. Everything you read in the scripture, depend on hang on, same hang on that says he hung on a cross, depend on loving God and loving people. Matthew 23, he says, what sorrow awaits you, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest amount from your herb garden. But you have ignored the most important aspects of law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but not, do not neglect the more important things. Friends, over and over and over again, we can read the words of Jesus as he references the Hebrew scriptures, okay? The entirety of this book, the entirety of this thing that saved my life, that dug it out of the pit, that I'm following and trying to answer these complicated questions, your complicated questions, the, a theme that we cannot miss is that he is warning us of the dangers of obsessing over right theology at the expense of compassion. We just walked through six times in one book where Jesus is very clear. Get your tithe out of my face. Go take care of her. In John, Jesus says this. You search the scriptures because you think by them they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me. Yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. We, we are... Missing the forest for the trees, or whichever way that sentence goes, I'm not really sure. But can I be real a second, for just a millisecond? Put down my guard and tell the people how I feel a second? Yes, for those of you who got it, you got it. We're still doing this. Everybody's fighting, nobody's winning. Because winning isn't the point, being right isn't the point. We're to be in right relationship with each other. We break relationships because we disagree about whatever our tithing spices issue is. For some people, it's divorce. For others, it's a myriad of other things. I could make a list, but it would dysregulate everyone, so we're not going to do that. Am I an adulteress currently? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And by the definition given in Matthew 5, I'm in a room of adulterers. Because if you have even thought about, looked at, Someone with lust in your heart, you have committed adultery. Adultery is coming for us all. So just like me, certain circumstances, certain ideas, they don't really mean, they stay up here in like theological la-la land until they cut into your life, which divorce did. Cut into my life. I'm falling in love with a man, but is the Lord going to ask me to say no because I don't want, I want to obey God. 
I want to, I desperately want to, and I've been aching and longing for partnership for so long. Oh, to, to have it slip through my fingers would be devastating, but that I want it more than I want, I want you, Lord, more than I want that. Oh, life is not simple, because my pastor, Jason, says this, he goes, I don't, it doesn't really matter what the scriptures mean to you if that's not what they mean. My hope is not that everyone that we not everyone leaves my hope. My hope is not that everyone leaves here today being able to answer is divorce right or wrong. My hope is that we leave here better equipped to obey the greatest commandment. Love God, love people. I cannot I can't answer your question about what you should do because my story is not your story. I can't defend my decisions with an airtight theological case. I can tell you what I was. I was willing to do the hard things under the instruction of my God. I was willing to get in this book and surround myself with people and stumble failingly through this process. Willing to ask and receive a good gift from Jesus. But folks, this is risky to say yes to something good because you see the rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous alike. And that's a proverb from the book. I am both. I am made righteous by Jesus. I am made righteous by Jesus, and in some ways, I am perpetually guilty in my marriage. We have a problem that is beyond our capacity to fix. In that impossible place we live, that's my issue. You have one too. I don't know what it is. How do we possibly move forward with this without the right answers? Grace. Grace is how we move forward. What's so amazing about grace, it makes living actually possible. Because here's the reality. Corbin and Owen, Mr. Fat Mama Legs guy, he doesn't have like an airtight atonement theory theology nailed down yet. Okay? He's not totally sure what happened on the cross. Except for like there's going to be all of the animals will be all together in one place in heaven. Right? Mom was like, probably. I don't know. Um, he doesn't know. And my friends with disabilities... My friends with cognitive disabilities who will never have the capacity to read a commentary and then exegete what they think theologically from that, if they, aren't have, if they don't have access to that, what is, what is here for them? It's no wonder to me that right after this, this encounter, Jesus calls, has the encounter with the little children. He says, they're like, hey, these kids are trying to come up, and they're like, get away. And he goes, let the little children come to me. It is like these you must become to enter the kingdom of heaven. Because it's not about the right answers. It's about treating each other the right way. And my kids know when they're treated right or wrong. You do not need a Bible to feel that. What about people who can't read? What about people who don't have the scriptures? We are not limited. We are gifted. We have this. We should be devouring this thing to find Jesus. Because Jesus is the way to life. And we can do it. Marriage is a big deal. Marriage is a big deal. Jesus references Genesis passage today. It's the original design. It's a big deal freaking deal because guess what i have a marriage because of someone else's broken marriage so uh, uh, uh. so he doesn't get to leave me even though she left him so is that, am i a hypocrite i don't know i don't know but i know the one who loves me and loves her and loves all of us okay if you want to find loopholes in this book, you will find them. If you want to justify bad behavior, you can do it. But we have seen God protecting the vulnerable over and over and over now. Women, people with disabilities, people
people who are lame, children, foreigners, outsiders. We need God's grace to do this, and we have it, okay? It matters how we treat each other more than it matters what you think about theology. We cannot continue to divide over theology at the expense of compassion. It is unacceptable because Jesus says over and over and over and over again that it is unacceptable. And those who have been forgiven much love much. And when the, the, the servant gets forgiven in the parable, there's a parable, the servant gets forgiven his debt, and then he goes and he pulls someone to, holds someone to the coals for a smaller debt, and that is not okay, and that is what is happening. So just know, on Jeremy and I's wedding day, I walked down the aisle um, to a remake of an old hymn. It was called, Oh Love That Will Not Let Me Go. That is the worship band's cue. You don't have to be quiet. It's fine. And here are some lyrics from the song that we, yes, are going to sing. O oh, joy that seeketh me through pain, I cannot close my heart to thee. I trace the rainbow through the rain, and feel the promise is not vain, that morn shall tearless be. There was a rainbow on our drive from our rehearsal dinner to, from our rehearsal to the rehearsal dinner, there was a rainbow. We had practiced this song, my friends had sang it, there was a rainbow in the sky. And I don't know if that means I made the right decision, but gosh, it feels like I did. And it also doesn't mean that your decision is made because of what the Lord in my life. Like, I'm not, an ex I'm not an excuse for you to do anything. I'm not a reason for you to do anything. I am a reason, an example of you to get in this book, to read around people, and to be close to the one who can guide you. Every time you hit a tiny bump, just the next step, I will be behind you whispering, go left or go right. My word is a light to your feet. Not a giant million-watt candle spotlight. One step at a time through this book, by grace, in faith. There is a joy that is seeking you out in your pain. Don't close your heart to it. Let's be a people who trace rainbows through the rainstorms and hold up umbrellas for the vulnerable and hurting folks around us. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for this story. So many tears cried with so many people in this room. And I have two little turd buckets to show for it. Um... And I know the bloodbath it was to get through all the things, and I don't know everyone else's story, but there is something I do know, and I think it's you, and you love us. So do we receive that love from you today? Amen. Amen, amen. Thank you, Jody. Would you guys stand up?